Welcome again to Calvary Chapel Watsonville this morning. We're in the fifth installment, and we've been working with a couple of little technological glitches this morning, but trust everything is uh, working okay and working well this morning. So indeed, uh, as Thomas read, the Lord is in his holy temple, and the Lord's throne is in heaven. Yet we know that Jesus is going to occupy the throne of David here on earth in one of these upcoming days. So this is the Prophecy Update, End Times, Part 5. And uh, I have to ask, where are we? I mean, how do we know where we are? Well, typically signs. Back in 1964, a very famous songwriter, Bob Dylan, wrote a song, it was a protest song, called The Times They Are A-Changin'. And he was talking about how times do change and how we experience, uh, as a society, change over times. And the 60s was a time of true tumult. I was a young man in the uh, 60s and uh, observed the whole protest scene uh, from my living room, the safety of my living room. Uh, another um, song back from the 70s, uh, a band called the Five Man Electric Band in 1971 uh, recorded a song called Signs. And in it, the chorus, uh, some of the lyrics said, Sign, sign, everywhere a sign, blocking out the scenery, blowing my mind. Don't do this, do that. Can't you read the sign? Well, of course, there's a lot of different kinds of signs, right? So we know there's posters and there's store name signs and traffic signs, pointing signs. We have painted signs. We have neon signs. We have natural signs. And then there's the signs of the times. What are signs of the times? What are they really? Well, they're indicators of the nature or quality of a particular period of time. A few weeks ago, when we were going through the Matthew 24 passage, Jesus described the end times for his disciples. And he said um, uh, some very pointed things about the end times when the disciples were wondering You know, what's going to happen to this temple here? And what's going to happen at the end time? When are you going to come back? Well, today we're going to look at some more general indicators uh, that we're nearing the rapture and the tribulation period. And, uh, you know, many prophecy scholars have said that we're really in the last of the last days before the end times. Um, Very famous guy that we all recognize said this, What a time to take the news of the day in one hand and the Bible in the other hand and watch the unfolding of the great drama of the ages come together. And he added, With increasing frequency, commentators from secular media speak of Armageddon. Well, we're going to look at some major categories today of ends time signs. Some of them might lap over what Jesus was uh, uh, teaching, but we're going to break it into categories and see where we're at today. We'll see if we can read the, the sign of the times. 
the signs of the times. Maybe we can actually answer this question. Where are we in prophetic time? Are we really at the end of days, at the end of times? Are we ready for the last days? Are we ready for the rapture and the tribulation? Well, unfortunately, Jesus told the unbelieving world that they're going to be caught off guard. He said, no man knows the day or the hour. And he also said, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But we Christians, we believers, are admonished to watch so that we recognize the times that we're in. In Matthew 24, Jesus told us the days preceding his return would be like those uh, days of Noah. And those days were days where evil was truly abounding. Noah didn't know the day that the rains were going to begin, but he certainly could read the signs of the times for when that judgment was going to happen. So let's take a look at uh, the first category here. Israel, it's called the super sign because it leads the whole pack. It leads us into the end times. And we've discussed Israel a little bit, but let's look a little bit more at it. Last week, we looked at the rebirth of Israel on May 14th, 1948. And uh, let's see where that event fits. In Jeremiah chapter 33, beginning in verse 23, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living uh, Translation. It really makes sense. It's uh, easier to understand. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, have you noticed what people are saying? The Lord chose Judah and Israel and then abandoned them. They are sneering and saying that Israel is not worthy to be counted as a nation. But this is what the Lord says. I would no more reject my people than I would change the laws that govern night and day, earth and sky. This is a message directly to those who would uh, deny that Israel is still God's chosen people. I don't know why they don't read this verse. <laughs> All the other end time prophecies hinge on this first beginning sign. It was the first indication that we're headed into this period of time. It's a massive sign. It would be easily recognized by the entire world. Israel comes back together as a nation. Uh, no other people historically, we know this, have been kicked out of their own country, wandered around for centuries, kept their national identity, customs, language intact, and then have returned to their homeland. Never happened before in history. In Jeremiah chapter 16, the Lord made this promise. The Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. Every one of the Old Testament prophets, except Jonah, actually predicted that the nation of Israel would be reborn. Isn't that intensely wonderful? Well, in 1900, there were approximately 400,000 Jews in the land of Palestine. After World War II, another 200,000 joined them. There were 600,000 people, uh, Jews roughly, in the land of Palestine. And remember, they weren't a country yet. They just wanted to go back home to Jerusalem, to their land. Now, there are more than 6 million Jews in Israel. That's more than the number of Jews that were lost during the Holocaust. 
Could this prophecy, Israel returning to their homeland, be uh, uh, fulfilled simply by chance? Just a chance happenstance? If you're a statistician, you say, no way. <laughs> it's statistically impossible. Okay. So Israel, the super sign, that's really what got us started. It tells us excitedly that we're in the ends of the period just before the last days. Okay. Geopolitical signs. This is a, a Interesting and big group of signs. In Luke 21, 25, we read, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in, in the stars, and on earth, distress of nations with perplexity. And I tried to capture what that meant with perplexity. So I looked it up in quite a few other translations, and you know what it says? With perplexity. <laughs> That's kind of a perplexing thing. <laughs> That means men are going to be perplexed at the end of times. First of all, the Middle East meltdown. We've known about this for decades now. Israel, since they became a nation, have experienced at least 11 major wars. In Psalm 83, we're told, For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. That's like headline news today. These modern attacking countries and enemies were actually mentioned in Psalm 83. Uh, Ishmael and Hagar, today, uh, that's Egypt. Uh, Asher, that's Iraq and Syria. Edom, Moab, Ammon, Amalek, Lot. Those are all modern-day Jordan. Uh, Gebel and Tyre. That's Lebanon. Uh, the Philistines are mentioned in that passage. That's our modern-day PLO, looking to reestablish a Palestinian state. So today there are constant attacks against Israel from the Gaza Strip, from Lebanon, uh, frequent bombings, frequent suicide bombings. Yeah, um, Israel is the center of a lot of conflict in the world. And Ezekiel 38, a passage we uh, know related to the end times, a Russian-led coalition, uh, it's called Gog and Magog, and there's different opinions about what that means um, the actual person, Magog, was a grandson of Noah, and his descendants uh, moved north of the Black Sea. They moved to the northernmost part above Israel. We know that today, obviously, as Russia. So this uh, coalition in uh, Ezekiel chapter 38, uh, led by Russia and Central Asia, uh, also include Turkey, Iran, Ethiopia, the Sudan, Libya, Algeria, and a number of other Muslim countries. There is truly increasing animosity against Israel and the Western nations as these predominantly Muslim nations sponsor and support fanatically militant organizations such as ISIS, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That's, it's like right out of scripture. That's their purpose. Okay, another geopolitical sign. 
a European confederacy. I first heard about this when I was reading Hal Lindsey's book, uh, Late Great Planet Earth. And he talked about um, the revived Roman Empire. Well, we have to go back to Daniel's vision uh, in chapter 2 of Daniel. It, uh, it, you remember the statue. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and in his dream he saw a statue made of gold and silver and brass and, and then iron mixed with uh, clay. Um, later on, he saw four different beasts. But if we go back to uh, two, uh, chapter 2, um, we read this, uh, chapter 2, verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. And then skip to 44. And in, these, the day, and when in, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. We know we're talking about end times here. We're not talking about Rome and Caligula and Julius Caesar and Augustus and all those guys. Um, because in the days of these kings, the divided uh, nation of Rome, uh, the Lord's going to set up an everlasting kingdom. So we're talking about last days here. So this passage describes what a lot of scholars believe is the modern European Union uh, or the revived Roman Empire. The area of Europe is between the two superpowers, Russia on one side and uh, the United States on the other. And uh, they decided... Um, back a few decades ago, uh, we're not going to be able to exist if we don't get our act together and have some unification, have some uniting here. So um, they needed economic and military unification. They uh, required military alignment to protect themselves against their enemies. In 1957, the European Economic Community was begun and it was referred to as the common market. That's a term we all uh, been around for a while. We remember common market, but it's not the term we use today. Uh, now we've got 27 nations, member nations in the European Union, they call it. Um, this is also for political and um, economic unity. Some prophecy teachers do refer to the future end times European Union as the United States of Europe interesting title, and which could include because uh, we, our, our peoples basically came out of Europe, uh, it could include the United States, thinking into the future. Some Bible uh, teachers believe that we'll be part of that big uh, union uh, against the, the Russian coalition. <clears throat> well, we know that uh, some of the nations in the European Union today are weak they're bankrupt. We know that one is trying to leave. We know about Brexit. So the toes mixed with clay makes a very interesting picture for us to recognize today that's what's going on. Okay. Another of the um, geopolitical signs is globalization. Big fancy word that means the movement towards a one world government, one world currency, and one world religion. And this is a big move today. Maybe we don't read about it every day, but there are strong forces behind this. Since World War I, there have been a lot of attempts to introduce global organizations to promote peace, to promote universal peace and unity 
For instance, right after World War II, the League of Nations came about. It wasn't very successful, but it was followed pretty quickly by the United Nations. It still exists today, headquartered in New York City. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations. The Club of Rome, uh, a tight-knit, closed-mouth uh, group of nation, uh, national leaders, international leaders, who are trying to promote one world government. G8. We all know about G8 because they're on TV every once in a while, meeting in uh, Europe or uh, uh, the Far East, somewhere like that. It's the, it's the greatest eight nations of the world meeting together and trying to figure out how we can live peacefully with one another. Here's one I never even heard of before, the Bilderberg Group. And it's because it's a really an um, off-the-record group. Uh, you really don't read about the Bilderberg Group. But it's a group from Europe and North America. They were originally uh, um, gotten together to form uh, a, a unity to prevent another world war. That's what they were trying to do. Well, we can't do another world war. We've had one and two. We can't do another one. We won't exist. We won't survive through that. So their purpose was to promote globalization of the free market economy. And they believed that that would drive peaceful coexistence. And then there's other secret societies as well that uh, want to globalize the world. The United Nations um, tried to set up a, a, a one-world government document. It's called the two, uh, 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And it's still out there. It was signed by a former president of the United States. Um, and it's, again, something that we don't read about a lot, but there's a lot of intense pressure to create this sustainable, peaceful, uh, uh, global government single government. Now, you have to remember that uh, these organizations, these initiatives that we're talking about, uh, they're based on humanism. They're based on naturalism. They're not based on the Word of God. And they certainly don't know what's going to happen in the future, as we do. <laughs> okay. In Revelation chapter 13, oh, wait a minute. I skipped one thing. Okay, so um, the next geopolitical sign is a one-world currency. Uh, so we talked about the government. How about the currency? In Revelation chapter 13, we read, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark. Okay. That really indicates, doesn't say it outright, but it indicates that there has to be a one world currency if one uh, agency or one person or one organization can control the economy of the world. Uh, that means there has to be some form of uh, currency that drives the entire economies of all countries. The technology that's required to implement this mandate is already in place. Um, cashless transactions are the majority way of uh, uh, having transactions at all levels of financial systems uh, uh, around the world. Digital cryptocurrency uh, like Bitcoin, rapidly expanding, doing away with the pocket money, the get out your wallet, the open your change purse. It's just going away. We won't need it because of the technology here as a fulfillment of prophecy. The Great Recession of 2009 demonstrated how interconnected we are 
around the world and our economies. Another geopolitical sign is the rise of the kings of the East. Countries such as China, Japan, Korea, India, they're rapidly increasing their power base on a global scale. And you have to remember, historically, these countries didn't have much influence on the development of our modern world. They're catching up. In some ways, they might be passing us, but they are rising, and we've noted that historically. You wouldn't read a whole lot about anything except in interesting books by Marco Polo or something like that about what was happening in China and the history of China because you were reading about all the great kings and uh, nobles of that period of time from the Western world. Another of the geopolitical signs, wars. <laughs> We'd be amiss to ignore the current hostilities going on in Ukraine. Wars are categorized by their number of deaths per year. For 2021, and 22, these include major wars. Major wars are defined as those where there's 10,000 or more deaths caused by the war. There were six in that period of time. Wars, that's the second category. 1,000 to 9,999 deaths. There were 17 wars in the world since last year. Minor conflicts. Those are the conflicts that produce 100 to 9,999 deaths. There were 20 uh, minor conflicts around the world within the last uh, year and three-fourths. And then finally, skirmishes and clashes. That's where there's 10 to 99 deaths, and there were 18 of those. War is a big part of the geopolitical picture of the Lord's soon return. Signs of nature. In Matthew 24, beginning in verse 7, we read, well, following the world war, uh, Jesus predicted that there were going to be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And that word sorrows in the Holman Christian Standard says labor pains. Jesus was trying to paint a picture there. It, my experience in labor and delivery uh, nursing included an expertise in electronic fetal monitoring. That's a device, uh, whether internal or external, where we could monitor the frequency, intensity, and duration of contractions, or what we would call labor pains, uh, on an electronic screen and on a paper chart. As labor progressed, these three characteristics usually become more frequent, stronger, and last longer. And Jesus was kind of bringing in that same imagery of, of the laboring woman uh, in relationship to the pre-end times, that we're going to see these signs be more frequent, stronger, and longer. Another of the signs of nature, earthquakes. And we measure earthquakes, obviously, using the Richter scale. Not that it means a whole lot to us, but we all had a little jumping excitement this past Tuesday with a 5.1 Richter scale uh, um, quake. And of course, my phone started beeping immediately mm -hmm. with my coworkers who were going, did you feel that? 
did you, did you, did you experience that? <laughs> and, it was like, and they're a lot closer to the epicenter than we are here. Well, you have to understand that an 8.7 Richter scale earthquake is 23,000 times stronger than a 5.8 earthquake. That's not that much difference in the number, but 23,000 times stronger. Whoa. Well, we've had some uh, major earthquakes in our lifetimes. In uh, 1960 in Chile, there was a 9.5 earthquake. It's just hard to imagine. In 2004, Indonesia had uh, somewhere between a 9.1 and a 9.3 earthquake. Haiti in 2010 had a 7.0 earthquake, and it did huge damage and a lot of death. In 2011, we might remember this, Japan had a 9.1, set off a huge tsunami that did uh, so much destruction, it was almost immeasurable. In Pakistan in 2013, there was a 7.7. Well, now we actually refer to earthquakes coming in swarms. In Yellowstone National Park, uh, between June 12th and August 2nd of the year 2017, just that little bit more than a month, Yellowstone had 1,562 quakes. They had 400 in one week. So we talk about earthquake swarms now. And then Jesus talked about famines and pestilence. Well, we know that the uh, Spanish flu that happened right after or right at the end of World War I uh, killed more people than the war killed. That's amazing to think about. It was followed by a huge famine. Well, in 1980, there was famine in Ethiopia. More than 400,000 people perished. Other diseases that we've heard about in our lifetimes. AIDS, the Zika virus, Ebola, cholera, cholera outbreaks, a huge uh, outbreak of STDs, and, of course, we're living in COVID. Well, and then there are other uh, major national, uh, natural disasters as well. Um, things like uh, wildfires and floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and even huge sinkholes. And we have to think about Ian. How, how deadly was Ian? Well, they're talking about $67 billion is the closest estimate they can make right now in damage. The next category I'm going to talk about is spiritual signs, a collection of uh, signs that indicate where we are in the prophetic uh, timeline. First of all, the gospel. So there's some positive signs here. The gospel is going to be preached to the whole world before the Lord returns. Uh, Matthew 24. At a 2011 event in Orlando, sponsored by the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, uh, the attendees predicted that the Great Commission was going to be fulfilled between 2021 and 2026. <laughs> we're, we're in that period now. Now, this could be a prophecy that will be fulfilled during the Tribulation. We talked earlier uh, in, in past lessons about an angel that will fly through the heavens with the everlasting gospel. That could be the fulfillment. 
I suppose it depends on um, the definition of the end before the end. Okay, is it the rapture? So is it going to happen before the rapture or before the second coming? I'd leave that up to you. As the Lord leads you, we know it's going to be probably soon. Another of the spiritual signs is unsealed prophecy. Uh, the understanding of prophecy was sealed up to Daniel uh, when he wanted to know what his visions meant. He was quite puzzled by what he was uh, seeing in his visions, and he wondered what they meant. But, you know, the Lord kind of closed the door. Um, the angel said, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro in knowledge, shall increase. And then in verse uh, chapter 12, verse 9, And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of time. Now, the uh, knowledge shall increase might have a dual meaning here. It might just simply mean overall knowledge, uh, human knowledge, or it could mean knowledge, uh, the unfolding of prophecy. That's another way of looking at that particular passage. So... Clarity and understanding prophecy has dramatically increased, I think, in the last one and a half centuries, especially since the return of the Jews, uh, the planned return and their actual return to their land when it was fulfilled. Then we have the rise in cults. Well, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Christian science, Scientology, Unification Church, Branch Davidians, Children of God, the People's Temple, uh, Heaven's Gate. These are just a very small scattering of the more well-known cults uh, around the world, especially uh, in the Western world today. So cults, uh, the, the rise in cults, the rise in deception, right? Another sign, apostasy. In uh, Matthew 24, Jesus said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. New Living Testament. Well, what do we see today? We see biblical illiteracy. People really don't know their Bibles like they used to. Some of them just have a dusty old Bible that sits up on their mantle or somewhere. Maybe they have to dig through a box to even find it. Biblical uh, knowledge, is, is, uh, literacy is really poor dropping or changing religious affiliations is a, another part of apostasy. There are even evangelical pastors out there. Uh, two, uh, for example, Brian McLaren and Rob Bell, they're teaching that basically doctrine is up for grabs. It's how you understand it. It's not how the Lord intended it. It's just if you see this, that's your truth. Ecumenism. Okay, accepting all religions as different paths to God, really? We've all seen the coexist bumper sticker. Another uh, spiritual sign, religious persecution. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, Then they will deliver you up to, a tri to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. You have to think that in 2015 there were 105,000 Christians martyred in the world. But it's not just Christians. Anti-Semitism is hugely on the rise internationally. And even political leaders, we've heard it this week on TV, are making anti-Semitic statements and making that a popular belief. 
On December 23, 2016, the United States refused to use its veto power to overturn UN Resolution 2334, which claimed that Israel's settlements had no validity. On January 15, 2017, the Paris Peace Conference pushed for a two-state answer uh, to the Middle East conflict, Israel and Palestine. It sounds like a good way to go, that it'll, it'll bring peace. It won't, and it can't. Another one of the uh, spiritual signs, rise in the occult. Beginning in the mid to late 1800s, there were a lot of periodicals published to promote occult beliefs and experiences. One of our modern uh, uh, sources, a good source to uh, understand um, occult, is Dave Hunt's book, Occult Invasion. Great book. Satanism is also here. It's been well documented in books like Hal Lindsey's Satan is Alive, on Planet, Alive and Well on Planet Earth. College courses on the occult, they were all the rage back in the 60s and 70s. They're still around. Strong delusion. Like, hey, when the rapture does occur, people are going to want a rational explanation for the disappearance of so many people, and they're going to believe the lie. They're going to believe the deception. The theory of evolution. <laughs> That's one of the global deceptions that it's trying to convince people that God doesn't exist. He's not real. And then another of the spiritual signs is scoffers. Second Peter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's called uniformitarianism. That just means that since the world evolved into its present state, nothing really changes. Nothing's really changed. You know, this is modern scientific dogma. That's what it is. It's just science says that that's the way it is and you can't believe any other way. Okay, let's take a look at some diff, uh, other categories here. Cultural signs. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4, to 4, we read, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Boy, if you're a Christian today and you think that the rapture must be a long way off, but if you read this passage and look at our world that we live in today, we're there. And it says, in the last days. Wow. There's an increase in corruption and violence like we've never seen before. Three weeks ago, I reviewed a number of recent mass shootings in the U.S. It just seems like it keeps getting worse more and more. Drug use is rampant throughout the United States, throughout the world. leads to unbelievable violence. Mm -hmm. Our current election cycle. <laughs> 
It shows that corruption has left the power centers of politics and it's practiced by common citizens. Abortion, the ultimate definition of personal violence, is an opportunity for executives in that field to make a lot of money from selling fetal tissues. Ultimately, anything goes. There's no morality. There's no right. There's no wrong. Another category is signs of technology, technological signs. Humans truly are uh, ingenious. Human ingenuity is leading rapidly to the most impressive technological advances routinely on a daily basis. When our country was formed, who would have believed in the increasing speed of transportation? They were riding horses or riding in carts. Modern day automobiles, planes, jets, rockets, mainly advanced through the last century, leading us into the days of the Jetsons. <laughs> Long distance communication by telegraph must have seemed like magic when it very first came out. And then the radio was invented in the late 1800s, and by 1919, it was improved so that you could transmit voice by radio, not just beep, beep, dot, dot, beep, beep. The television was first demonstrated, believe it or not, in the 1920s. The first electronic computing machine, ENAC, stands for Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer. Woo! A big room full, as big as this house, was built during World War II at the University of Pennsylvania. In 1969, the U.S. placed men on the moon using what must seem to us now like primitive computers to aid that trip. But we now have more impressive computers on our cell phones. Who could have believed that we could communicate quickly by pocket pagers, beepers we called them, to be quickly followed by mobile phones Slip that in the pocket. Now we hear, now we wear our phones with computing capabilities on our wrists. Until the early 1900s, human knowledge doubled every century. By the end of World War II, it doubled every decade. Now there are so many forms of knowledge that we can't even estimate the speed of advancement. It's just happening too rapidly to keep up with. The ability for men to destroy all of mankind through the use of nuclear weapons began at the end of World War II. Now, there are more than enough, far more than enough atomic bombs to destroy the face of the earth and all people everywhere. The danger is not only in being killed outright by the blast, but of course the radioactive fallout that would quickly spread around the whole earth. And we know there's madmen out there with their fingers on that button. In Ezekiel 38, we read uh, this interesting description of the destruction of Israel's enemies at the beginning of the tribulation. It says, And I will bring, on, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him 
on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Now, some recognize this description as that of nuclear warfare. What a way to go into the tribulation. And we read in the newspaper and hear on the TV every day, there's somebody sitting on the other side of the world itching to push the button. And then finally, let's talk about signs of convergence. So as we look at all these signs, the amazing thing is, after the sign of Israel, all this is converging in our day. Matthew 24, verse 33 says, So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near, at the doors. Whoa! A guy named Todd Hampson, I think I quoted him before, who wrote one of my uh, source books, says, There is nothing that we can point to that must occur before the seven-year tribulation period takes place except the rapture of the church and then the confirming of a covenant or treaty by the Antichrist. It's all that's needed. Do we see the convergence of these signs? Well, let's look. The birth of Israel followed by a rise of a Russian-led coalition, knowledge and travel increasing, world war followed by massive disease and famine, worldwide earthquakes, increased persecution of Christians and Jews, growing apostasy in the church, increased lawlessness and violence, moral decline, a greater number of scoffers, movement towards one-world government, currency, and religion, the emergence of end-time technologies, increased frequency and intensity of these signs, political strife. The United States is more divided now than any time since the Civil War. National and individual debt is out of control. God is not allowed here is the law of the land. Traditional marriage, no longer is sacred. Amazing. I was watching just a little bit of um, a news channel yesterday to get an idea of what the headlines were. And let me give you several. Dozens of quakes rattling Hawaii's big island, the Mauna Loa volcano. That's this week. Okay. Hurricane Ian aid, slow and confusing. We know what damage it did. Pelosi attack stokes fears of more political violence. And we know that Paul Pelosi was attacked as the attacker was looking for Nancy to do her harm or kill her. Dozens killed in Halloween incident. I don't know if you heard about this one. In Korea, they're having a Halloween party. My wife says, do they celebrate Halloween in Korea? Well, apparently so. We've westernized them enough that they celebrate. But uh, they were in the uh, massive uh, group of kids were in this alley and they suffocated. 149 at 3 p.m. were known to be dead from cardiac arrest. They just they couldn't breathe. They couldn't get enough oxygen. Judge rules armed ballot observers are not a threat or intimidation. Did you guys hear about the ballot observers in Mesa, Arizona, sitting in their tack gear with their uh, AK-57s, watching people put their 
uh, their ballots into the Dropbox, taking down their licenses, taking uh, photos of them. One Christian woman was finally brave enough to say, I've had it. And she grabbed her lawn chair and she went out and sat down with him and introduced herself and wondered who they were. And she got out her cell phone and she took their pictures and she took the flag off of their uh, uh, license plates of their cars and took pictures. She said, I've really had this. I've had enough. We need to live together. We need to stop the nonsense. The State GOPs urge mail-in and absentee voting while the candidates slam it. <laughs> oh boy. Well, let me conclude with the Word of God. That's where we begin. That's where we end. Let's look at Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house could you possibly build for me? A and what place could be my home? My hand made all these things, and so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. One slaughters an ox, one kills a man. One sacrifices a lamb, one breaks a dog's neck. One offers grain offerings, one offers pig's blood. One offers incense, one praises an idol. And these have chosen their ways and delight in their detestable practices. So I will choose their punishment, and I will bring on them what they dread, because I called, and no one answered. I spoke, and they didn't hear. They did what was evil in my sight and chose what I didn't delight in. You who tremble at his word, hear the word of the Lord. Your brothers who hate and exclude you because of me have said, Let the Lord be glorified so that we can see your joy. But they will put you to shame. They will be put to shame. The sound, a sound of uproar from the city a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, paying back his enemies what they deserve. Before Zion was in labor, she gave birth. Before she was in pain, she delivered a boy. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day, or a nation be delivered in an instant? Yet as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her sons." Will I bring a baby to the point of birth and not deliver it, says the Lord? Or will I who deliver close the womb, says your God? Be glad for Jerusalem and rejoice over her, all who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all who mourn over her, so that you may nurse and be satisfied from her comforting breast and drink deeply and delight yourselves from her glorious breast. For this is what the Lord says, I will make peace flow to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flood. You will nurse and be carried on her hip and bounced on her lap as a mother comforts her son. So I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. You will see, you will rejoice, and you will flourish like grass. Then the Lord's power will be revealed to his servants, 
but he will show his wrath against his enemies. Look, the Lord will come from come with fire. His chariots are like the whirlwind to execute his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment on all flesh with his fiery sword, and many will be slain by the Lord. Those who dedicate and purify themselves to enter the groves following their leader, eating meat from pigs, vermin, and rats will perish together. This is the Lord's declaration. Knowing their works and their thoughts, I have come together all nations and languages. They will come and see my glory. I will establish a sign among them, and I will send survivors from them to the nations, to Tarshish, Put, Lud, who are uh, archers, Tubal, Javan, and the islands far away, who have not heard of my fame or seen my glory, and they will proclaim my glory among the nations. They will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chariots, in litters, and on mules and camels, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring an offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. I will also take some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, will endure before me, this is the Lord's declaration, so your offspring and your name will endure. All mankind will come and worship me from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, says the Lord. As they leave, they will see the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worm will never die, their fire will never go out, and there will be a horror to all mankind. What a description of what's ahead. And let's skip over to uh, chapter 55 of Isaiah and end with this. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us and saving us from our sins. Thank you for giving us an incredible future and for giving us a book that clearly lays out what that future looks like so we can recognize the signs and be ready. We're watching, Lord. We know that you're soon to return and pick us up. We look forward to the rapture, Lord, to be with you. But we know that there are still those who we know who are maybe going to be left behind. Open their eyes, Lord. Remove those blinders. Bring them into the light of the glory of Christ and bring them to salvation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.